Okay, so this Febrengum, um, that we gave in the uh, Parshas told us, um, in 1954, will come, will specifically tell Yitzchak, you are our father. We have three patriarchs, but we're going to call Yitzchak specifically our father. Why? The reason for this is, is because one of the characteristics of our service of Hashem when Mashiach will come is that we will have absolute devotion to Hashem, absolute yira, pachad, ubitol. We'll feel in the presence of Hashem a um, sense of absolute abnegation and devotion. So that's something that we get from Yitzchak, bitol. For Yishlemer, and that's why we find uniquely that Yitzchak, his life, mirrored the time of the coming of Mashiach. Really, all of our patriarchs, the Torah says, that they had a taste in this world of the future. But by all the other patriarchs, their um, taste of the future was only in regards to, um, it was just a taste of the future. But Yitzchak's whole life was similar to the time of Mashiach. Why? Because the moment that his, um, that his uh, soul the moment that he was offered by his father on the Akedah as a sacrifice to Hashem, even though he didn't actually get offered, but it says that his soul left his body, and he got a new soul from the future era, the era of the coming Mashiach, and that's why his whole life was similar to the time of the coming Mashiach. Al-Be'emes, by the way, um, I think I shared this with you, Rabbi Khan was learning chassiz with somebody, and they were discussing the idea of the Alter Rebbe's new soul. It says that the Alter Rebbe had a new soul. So the question is, what's the definition of a new soul? So the way it's usually translated is, is that the Alter Rebbe's soul was, never, was not an incarnation. It was a brand new soul. Although most souls are, have been reincarnated. The Alter Rebbe's soul was not reincarnated. It was brand new. But Rabbi Yil said, I think that it means something else. I think that the Alter Rebbe's soul is from a new era. It's from the era of the coming of Mashiach. And that's why it's called the new soul. It's a soul from the future era. So they had this discussion, they didn't agree. Finally, Rabbi Yil's friend wrote a letter to the Rebbe asking the Rebbe, what is the meaning of the Alter Rebbe's new soul? And the, um, by the way, if you look at the screen, I look at your face, it's, it's, it's a plus. Hi, how you so? Anyway, so, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so, I didn't yell. So, so Rabbi Yil asked the Rebbe, and the Rebbe said, why do you need to know this? Why do you need to know the definition of the Alter Rebbe's new soul? But, a little while later, um, make a long story short, Rabbi Yil submitted to the Rebbe something to edit. And the Rebbe, in the, as he edited it, he connected the words, the Alter Rebbe's new soul, with a discourse of the Alter Rebbe, where the Alter Rebbe says indeed that the meaning of the word new soul is a soul of the era of the coming of Mashiach. The Alter Rebbe is not just a soul which was, was never incarnated before, but his soul was from the era of the coming of Mashiach. So that's what it says over here also at Yitzchak, that once he was offered by his father as a sacrifice, his soul left him, and he was given a new soul from the future era of the coming of Mashiach. And that's why it says that he uniquely is called, Mashiach will come, will say, he is our father, 
because his his life mirrors the time of the coming of Mashiach. It's his service of Hashem, which is similar to the time of Mashiach. Alvemes we're in line number 11. But that's not really the, the full extent of the virtue of Yitzchak. Soul leaving the body, that's something we find by others. Like that story we read in the Torah in Parshas Vayera about that boy who passed away and that Elio and Avi resurrected him. So we find that also that his soul departed. What was unique about Yitzhak was that he caught, he was a bridge. He connected that which is beyond the world, and he brought that which is beyond the world into the world, as we shall see. It says on the Pasuk, and the children grew up, in this week's Torah portion, referring to Yaakov and Esau. So, so the Talmud explains what happened when they grew up. So it says, Yaakov went to study Torah, and Esau went to serve idolatry. Question is this. It says that Avram Avinu passed away five years early, instead of passing away at 180, the year he was meant to, he passed away to 175 because it was when he turned 107 when he when he, he um, would have turned 180. Uh, that's the age that Esav um, was exposed and he started acting inappropriately. So in order that Avram shouldn't see the shame of his grandson, therefore Hashem took away five years from his life, so he shouldn't have to experience this. So Avram passed away, as the Torah says, there London Rashi yesterday, at a ripe old age. What's a ripe old age? That everyone, everything is good. He passed away five years early. Instead of 180, when Esau's bar mitzvah, is doing the sins, he passed away five years earlier. The question is this. If you calculate it, it seems that when Esau did idolatry, Avram was still alive. Why? How old was Avram when Yitzchak was born? 100. And how old was Yitzchak when he had children? 60. So how old was Avram when Yitzchak had children? 160. So it comes out that when Esav turned bar mitzvah and he started serving idols, Avram was 173. So therefore, Avram did witness for two years Esav serving idols. Hashem took off five years from 180 to 175, but, he's, but at 173, he's still around. 173 is the age of Esav's bar mitzvah. Eight, the Torah says when the, the children grew, grew up, meaning when they turned 13, that's when they started acting inappropriately, or Esav inappropriately and Yaakov studying Torah. So Avram would have witnessed Esau's behavior at 173. So what was, so how, what did Hashem accomplish by, by cutting off five years of his life? Seemingly, he still witnessed two years of idolatry from when Esau was 13 to when he was 15. One explanation given is that in the two years of, of Avram's life that um, where Esau was sinning, his sins were in secret. Esav did indeed serve idolatry, but it was in secret. 
That answer is not sufficient. If it's possible for Esav to sin secretly and thus keep Avram alive, so why not keep Avram alive another five years? Let Esav sin for five more years, let Avram live to 180, and let Esav do all of his mistakes in secret. If Avram is able to stay alive because Esav, he didn't witness Esav's sin, although he did it, then what's, why does Avram have to pass away early at all? There's a book called Asar Mamaris, and the book, and, and also a uh, teaching from the Riva. They say that the Asar Mamaris and the Riva say another answer. Next page. The Saramara says that in the years for that Yitzchak waited from the time he was offered as a sacrifice until Rivka turned three years old, during those three years, Yitzchak was in heaven. Yitzchak was in Ganeden. He was in Ganeden for those three years. Yitzchak, Yitzchak was 37 when he was offered on the altar, almost offered, and then Rivka was born. And this during this time, before Rivka, he married Rivka when she turned three, so during the time until she turned three years old, Yitzchak was on vacation. He checked out. He was in Ganeden. And those years aren't counted in his years. So the Torah says he was 60. He was really 63. But we don't count the years of his uh, of those years because they, he was in Ganeden. Uh, look in note 18 for a second. The Riva brings an example also from Noach. During the year of the flood, where Hashem didn't just um, um, uh, let the rain come down, but Hashem also caused all of the uh, heavenly constellations to stop functioning. So the, the year of the flood is not considered a year of Noach's life. But you can't compare Noach to Yitzchak. Okay, so for Noach, we're saying that the year that the that their sun and the moon are not functioning is not considered a year of his life, but that's very different to what happened to Yitzchak. Noach experienced time. He was living in time and space, just the um, we're not counting it as time because the sun and the moon aren't functioning the way they do in an ordinary year. During the time of the Mabul, all your mission missing is time exists, but you're not you don't have the measurement of time because the sun and the moon aren't functioning. But the sun but there is time. Just you don't have the sun and the moon to measure it. And Noach wasn't different than the rest of the world. The rest of the world also, um, if you want to say Noach, a year of Noach Noach's life is not counted, then the rest of the world should have the same classification. So what's unique about Yitzchak is that he actually went to a place above time. He went to Gan Eden. Since Gan Eden is above the time of this world, that's why it's not, it's not counted in his life, in the years of his life. When Mela, automatically, second line over there in page uh, 26, when Yaakov and Esau were born, he, more than 62 years passed from him when he was born, and yet his age was 60. So 
more than 62 years pass, but how old is Yitzchak? He's only 60. While he was in Gan Eden, it didn't count for him. But Avram wasn't in Gan Eden. So Avram was 175. Two years did pass in Avram's life. But Avram wasn't 160 when Yitzchak gave birth to Yaakov and Esav. Avram was 162. But when Yitzchak returned to the world and to time, those two years weren't counted, and therefore he was only 60 years old. Everyone follow so far? Yeah, makes sense. It's possible to ascend higher than time, but when you go back to time, it's noticeable that you've gone to a zone above time. What are we referring to? Like we find a story about the Balshemtiv. The Balshemtiv writes to his brother-in-law about an event that's going to happen in many years. He writes, this event happens. He doesn't write when it happened. He just says, this event is going to happen, or it has happened. The reason why the Balshemtiv um, was speaking about an event that was happening 10 or 15 years later, because the Baal Shem Tev ascended to the world of Yitzira, and the world of Yitzira, he's able to see 10 years at once. But the Baal Shem Tev was still functioning in this world while he was in the world of Yitzira. Um, he was physically alive, unlike Yitzchak, who actually changed. He actually he he wasn't in this world when when, when he was in Gan Eden. Lavashantiv was in this world. It's interesting. I know another guy um, when the um, when the Persians um, uh, came nineteen seventy eight. I think it was when the Rebbe rescued uh, about a thousand Persian uh, children from Iran. So one of them told me that um, he got beaten up, and because he was beaten up, he was given a unique um, uh, uh, privilege to speak to Rebbe privately. He was beaten up by some, some hoodlums in, in Crown Heights, and so he was a little kid. And so he comes to Rebbe's room, so Rebbe spoke to him and encouraged him, and, and he asked the Rebbe that he wants to see his parents. The Rebbe said, you'll see your parents. So he said, when? Rebbe didn't answer. He said, I want to know when I'm going to, when? He said, I'm going to see them. When am I going to see them? Rebbe didn't answer. Then he said a third time, when am I going to see them? Rebbe said, in 10 years. So it was, it was 10 years later, like the Rebbe said. And in a way, he was very like upset. Like 10 years later, that's a long time for a little kid who ain't see his parents. On the other hand, it, like, it helped him in his life that, uh, that, he, that he knew that he was going to see them and he has to like, he has to make a plan. But it's interesting that the Rebbe said you'll see them, and the Rebbe didn't qualify it at first. Like it sounds very similar to the story of the Baal Like the Baal Shemtiv saying this is happening, and it's not happening for another ten years. Yeah, you're going to see your parents, and but it was it was in ten years. I mean, I, I don't know if there's any similarity to these stories. Just reminding me of this idea. So in the world of Yitzira, you see ten years in advance, and it's just like it's now. But the Yitzchak was different than the Baal Shemtiv. He actually left this world. The Indians that Yitzchak began Eden. 
even after Yitzhak went to Gan Eden, he still remained, it stayed with him after he came back to this world. It, it wasn't that he went to Gan Eden and then he didn't have anything of that experience. It was gone from him. Rather, it came with him. The experience was with him. How do we see? I'm going to paraphrase a little bit uh, of the next part. Um, we see that it says later on in the Torah that when this week's Torah portion, when Yitzchak um, blesses Yaakov, it says that Yitzchak smelled the scent of Ganid. He said, I smell the uh, scent uh, of, of your clothing, of Yaakov's clothing, like the, field, like the scent of the field that Hashem has blessed. What field did he mean? The field of Ganid. It smells like Ganid. So, at first glance, you could ask, how did he know how Ganadin smelled? Well, the answer is, is that he knew this because of the time he spent in Ganadin. So, although the general order is that, is that when a soul comes to this world, an angel comes and, and touches its lips and, and makes you forget whatever you saw in the higher world, in order that it shouldn't disturb you from doing your service of Hashem here, therefore you forget what you saw in Ganadin, um, just like when the soul departs in this world, it says that you have to go into a um, into this river called Dinar, a river of fire, to forget whatever you saw in this world. In order to go to Gan Eden, you have to get this world. In order to go from Gan Eden to this world, you have to forget Gan Eden. But Yitzchak was, it was unique that he was able to retain his experience in Gan Eden in this world. And therefore he remembered in this world when he later encountered the fragrance of Yaakov, fragrance of Yaakov's clothing, the, the clothing of, of um Yaakov were, when, when Yitzchak blessed him, he knew this is the son of Ganeid, and it stayed with him. So uh, that's what's unique about Yitzchak, that Yitzchak, even in this world, lived in sync with his, um, with, with the world, world, world to come. This also explains why Yitzchak wanted to bless Esav. Why he wanted to bless Esav? Because Yitzchak saw the divine source of Esav's soul. So, since he saw a divine source of Esau's soul, therefore, he wanted to give Esau the, the, the blessing in order to, um, to, to channel the, the divine, the loftiness of, of Esau. Let's go to line 17. If Yitzchak saw the transcendent nature of Esau's soul, he should have also seen the humanness and the consciousness of Esau, which was totally contrary to his transcendence. So why did he want to give him a blessing based upon this transcendent aura that's on his soul? What about the lousy stuff that's also inside of Esau? The answer is, is, as we just said, Yitzchak was above time. Since Yitzchak was above time, and he was connected to the time of the future, his soul was the soul of the future. So he saw Esau as Esau is in the future. He lived in the future, he was from the future, and therefore Yitzhak experienced things as they are in the future. So when Mashiach comes, Esav will be elevated. And Yitzhak didn't see Esav as Esav was presently a hater of Yaakov. Rather, he saw Esav as he'll be when Mashiach comes, as the Torah says, Yitzhak blessed Yaakov in this Torah portion, that the older brother will serve the younger brother. Meaning Esav will serve Yaakov. And Esau will help Yaakov. So that's what Yitzchak experienced. Because 
This helps us understand something else. When Yitzchak blesses Esav, first he tells Esav, I can't bless you. Your brother took your blessings in with trickery. But then he blessed him anyways from the fat of the earth, um, even though he already blessed, he already blessed Yaakov the same thing. Um, he blessed him with the fat of the earth, and Talmud says he blessed him with Italy. That's why we get the Calabria Esregan from Italy. So, um, Okay, so he blessed Esav to have that wonderful uh, produce that will come from, from from Italy, and that's why it's it's important to get an estragos from from that's the area of Calabria in Italy because that's called Mishman the it's called the fat of the land. Look in, in line number twenty-six. Italy did not yet exist when. Yaakov, when Yitzchak blessed Esav, it says that when Shlomo HaMelech married the daughter of Pare, the Malach Gavriel came, and he took put a, a board or a, a tree or something and put it in the ocean. And from this board he put in the ocean, that's how Italy was built. So, so the question was, how could he bless Esav if he already gave everything away to Yaakov? And the answer is, the something didn't yet exist. What he gave to Esau to, to didn't yet exist. It wasn't, there was no Italy yet. How logically, you're not allowed to give someone something. Doesn't, if you give something, if you, if you say to someone, I'm going to give you the fruits of my tree. Halacha says that the, tr- the fruits aren't transferred. Why aren't they transferred? Because you can't uh, make an act of acquisition on something that does not ex- yet exist. How could Yitzchak give Ace of Italy if Italy doesn't yet exist? There is um, there's different opinions about. Never said after there been mentioned this. Never started. Never smiled and said this. There's a discussion about what you have to eat for the third meal of Shabbos, and our custom is is that instead of eating a third meal on Shabbos, Shulshulis, we say the words of Torah. So. If you say your, your own teaching of Torah, you say something that you invented yourself, someone can come and refute it. So if, some, if you say a teaching of Torah, instead of eating the meal, and someone refutes your teaching of Torah, you haven't said any Torah, and you haven't had the third meal. So therefore it's better to eat some herring, or say a word of Torah which, that's, that's for sure true, that it can't be um, refuted. So to similarly here, how could Yitzchak enter a situation where he's trying to give Esau something that does not yet exist? It, will, it may be discovered that Allah has like the opinion which says, there's a discussion, if you could or can't bequeath something, make an act of acquisition on something that doesn't exist. If you can't, that means he hasn't given anything, anything to Esau. It's as if he hasn't, he hasn't given him a bracha. So the answer is this. Since Yitzchak was above time, so Italy did exist. Italy didn't exist. Italy did exist. Italy existed in the realm of Yitzchak. Italy doesn't exist in our realm, in our time and space. But in Yitzchak's realm, Italy does exist, because Yitzchak was living in the future. And that's why he was able to give this to, to, um, to Esav, because in his world, this exists. So, what are we supposed to learn from all of this? The, the Gemara says there are three people which are called our patriarchs, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Unlike the Shvatim, unlike the twelve sons of Yaakov, everyone has their own way of serving Hashem, not 
everyone's service to Hashem is relevant to everyone else's. But Avram and Yaakov are called our, our patriarchs. That means our, whatever they have, they gave something to us of, of themselves. Just like um, Shabbos blesses all days of the week, Shabbos is above time, but it blesses every day of the week. And that's why we're supposed to mention Shabbos every day, as we do in Hayom Yom Yom Rishon Shabbos. So there's something that we, that we receive from Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. So what do we receive from Yitzchak? What are we supposed to learn from this? Rebbe says this. When a Jew is asked to refuse to, to, to divest himself from the pleasures and the passions of this world, and instead he's supposed to be, like we, we, we said in the month of Elul, all you should want is the pleasantness of Hashem. A Jew answers, one second, I have an animal soul. I'm in this physical world. How can you ask me to divest myself from all pleasures of this world and just enjoy the pleasantness of Hashem? That's something which is only relevant in the world to come. That's in Gan Eden. How am I supposed to experience now what's going to happen in Gan Eden? And the answer is, we get this from Yitzchak. Yitzchak... Um, Yitzchak is able to sense in this world the scent of Gan Eden, and so too a Jew has to meditate and learn about the, the coming of Mashiach and about Gan Eden, and realize all the pleasures that we have in this world are not negligible compared to the pleasure of Mashiach, pleasure of Gan Eden. And uh, so therefore, when we think about and meditate upon this, so then we come to the conclusion that why would I give up the main pleasure, the real pleasure, the pleasure of, of Ruchnius and spirituality, and, and, and exchange that from the pleasures of, the, of this world, which are considered the soilless, the, the um, negligible, the, the leftover pleasure compared to the pleasure of Gan Eden. So, um, and therefore we have to put our uh, whole, instead put our whole um, thoughts and feelings into the, re- the most important things, the pleasures of, of, of uh, spiritual pleasures. And the way to reach this is through Kabbalah accepting the yoke of Hashem, as we learned from Yitzchak. Um, okay. So, in short, one line. One line is this. The um, Yitzchak is called our father because we're supposed to learn something from Yitzchak. What do we learn from Yitzchak? That we're supposed to... Um, Yitzchak is about the coming of Mashiach. Yitzchak's soul is from the era of coming, of coming of Mashiach. And in order to be able to uh, have the right attitude towards the things of this world, that we only that we dedicate our our feelings and our passions to the appropriate things. We have to think about the coming of Mashiach. Just like Yitzchak was a citizen of the coming of Mashiach by us, by thinking and meditating about the coming of Mashiach and Ganeidin, that gives us the uh, the the sense of of um, of making the appropriate decisions to go in the right way. L'chaim l'chaim v'brachah. Have a great day, Yosef. Great day, Yisrael. Great day, Daniel. Great day, Chaim. Great day, Chaim Peretz. Great day, Zev. David. Rabbeinu. Great day.